Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the A to Z podcast. My name is Dustin, and I work with Dean Zierfoss to produce A to Z. Before this episode starts, I just want to mention that the series started on YouTube, and as such, some parts, mostly the housekeeping at the end of each episode, won't really make sense in the podcast format. So when you hear Dean Z say that you can leave your questions in the comments below, that's because originally this was a YouTube video. If you do have questions, we'd still love to hear them. Just email Dean Z at law.jd.admissions at umich.edu and put A to Z podcast in the subject line. Other than that, most of the video content translates really well to a podcast. So thanks for joining us on this new format. We hope you enjoy it. If you'd like, you can still watch the original A to Z videos on YouTube by going to law.umich.edu slash A to Z vlog. You can also visit the A to Z blog, which has additional written content and more information about Michigan law. That website is experience.law.umich.edu slash A to Z. And finally, if you enjoy the podcast and find it helpful, please let us know by subscribing and leaving a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening. And now, without further ado, is the A to Z podcast. Hi, everybody. It is Dean Z speaking to you from my basement. Today, I want to talk to you about letters of rec. I want to talk, uh, give a shout out at the top to Ali F and to Angelica, both of whom sent us thoughtful questions via email, and to Hisong, who sent us a, a great question in the YouTube comments. They all made me think this is a topic we really need to dive into. So before we go any further, your first task in thinking about letters of rec is to think about what schools you want to apply to and see what guidance they give in terms of how many letters you have to submit or may submit, like what's the smallest and largest number in both of those categories. And, um, and then also if they give you any particular guidance about who they want to hear from. Keeping all that in mind, you know, you always need to follow the specific guidance of the schools that you're interested in. Keeping all that in mind, let's speak generally about what you want to do when you are picking your letter writers. So first of all, you need to think about what kind of information is the law school looking to get about you? We want to know what kind of contribution will you make to our school and to the legal profession? You know, specifically, you want someone who can address your, you know, general braininess, your scholarly abilities, your intelligence. You want to have somebody who can talk about your analytical ability, uh, your capacity for original thought, um, how well you speak and write. Uh, how do you get along with other people, particularly, you know, your peers in a classroom setting or, or something analogous to that? Your, your, potential, your potential for growth going forward and your achievements of the past. And then in general, depending on whatever your overall strategy is for your application, are there holes that a letter writer could fill in that don't easily fit in elsewhere in the application. So I think we've talked about this in other episodes, but let's say you have some misconduct in your past and it is all behind you. A letter writer might be able to be a, a, a voice, an outside voice that can affirm that. Or if you had some trouble academically, you know, during your college years, you might have some letter writer who can say, I know the grades, you know, have been up and down or whatever, but this person has what it takes. 
that sort of thing. So think think in those terms too, like strategically, what kind of uh, content can this letter writer provide? Remember, the point is to have this outside, this third party, the one outside voice in your application, or outside voices, if you have more than one letter writer, telling the admissions office about you. So it needs to be someone who knows you well, first and foremost, someone who can speak in detail about you. I often see people who are choosing um, letter writers based on the letter writer's fame. That does you little to no good. Often those people will spend huge chunks of the letter talking about themselves and their achievements. Not interested in that. Um, and sometimes, you know, frankly, you could tell this person um, is a, a legend in their own mind. Uh, that one of my favorite expressions. Um, but I'm unlikely to know, like someone who is a famous English professor, I'm, I'm not going to know that. I'm going to know maybe some law professors who are famous. I'm going to know some lawyers who are famous. Um, I'm not going to know, you know, in particular fields that I'm not an expert in. I'm not going to recognize that fame. Um, and I'm not going to, frankly, have my head turned by a fancy um, job title either. The most that gets you when you get a letter from somebody like that is that gets them a nice letter, sometimes from me or sometimes from the dean of the law school if they're super fancy. And it certainly doesn't hurt you, if, but it, that does not add in any way to our assessment of you as a candidate. So go for the person who knows you best. And if that happens to be someone who is famous, lovely, but it really is not necessary. So what, what category of person should we be looking at? In a perfect world, it is great if you can get a letter from an academic, because after all, this is an academic undertaking that we are assessing your fitness for. That said, we recognize that that becomes increasingly hard to do as you are, you know, one, two, three or more years out of school. Um, it is harder to do if you are at a giant public institution like the University of Michigan versus, you know, a small liberal arts um, place where sometimes they will remember you 10 or 15 years later. So there are um, situations that will make that harder for a given candidate. And we recognize that. So if you can't get an academic letter for whatever reason, we get it. Don't panic about that. But recognize that, especially if you are in school right now, or maybe just one year out, it, the presumption is that you are going to have that kind of letter. So if you possibly can, you should, you should definitely try. And if you are listening to this in advance, like maybe you're not applying to law school this year or the next couple of years, try and um, remedy that situation now, either by getting to know a faculty member if you're in school right now, or by reconnecting with someone and, and then keeping up that relationship for a little while before you hit them with the request for the letter of rec. That's just politeness. Oh, one more thing before I move on from the academic letters, I should say. Often people will be worried about having a TA, or uh, as we call them here at Michigan, a GSI, write your letters of rec. You should not worry about that. It is completely fine if that is the person who knows you best in the academic setting. Don't worry about the fact that they're, you know, not a full professor. It's just not an issue. How about employers? They are also useful. In fact, I would say I love 
having a mix of, you know, one or two academics with one or two employers. That gives me multiple perspectives on you, uh, lets me see you from an, in a number of different contexts. So, and certainly um, knowing how you behave in a professional or a work setting is relevant information for thinking about what kind of a lawyer you're going to be. So having an employer is also great. Uh, one caveat that though is depending on the field, academics all know how to write letters of rec. They're used to it. They're very familiar with it. Employers may or may not, depends on, on what field they're in. So, uh, you know, you, it, depending on um, your sense of that with a particular employer, you may want to hold them by the hand a little bit more, make sure they have the guidance they need in terms of, you know, blurbs about how letters get written that you can find um, on the internet in various places. Let's turn to that more in a second, though. Other categories of people you might want to ask. Coaches, volunteer supervisors, um, those are th those all might have a, an interesting voice. Again, if they know you particularly well, I think that is a very worthy choice to make. Alumni of the particular institution you are applying for. That is fine. It can be useful to hear from someone who is familiar with, you know, what we are looking for. It is not anything to worry about, though. Most people do not have alumni letters. You should not go out of your way to hunt one down. You should not feel like there's any lacking in your application if you don't have that. Um, it, I, I can I can sometimes see that people have gone to great lengths to, you know, develop that kind of relationship and it is just not necessary. Please don't worry about that. Um, and if it's an alum who doesn't know you well, who you get to re reach out to us on your behalf, just as with the famous people before, it's not going to really do anything too useful to you. So you're better off just not worrying about that. And then finally, in terms of, you know, I, I mentioned before, I love having a mix because you get a lot of different, you know, contexts that you're seeing the person in. Um, it is helpful to always be thinking, what work will this extra letter of rec do for me? What is this person going to address that the people have already asked um, aren't addressing? You don't want it to be too repetitive. You don't want to have three letters of rec who are all saying the same thing, like three people in the same field, all of whom had you in your junior year in college. So try to mix it up a little bit just in terms of what they'll be able to address. Okay, let's talk briefly about who not to ask. And some of this is going to sound unnecessary for me to say. And yet, I get these every year. So don't ask your mom. I seriously get parents writing letters saying, I know I'm their parent, but no, there is nothing you can say as a mom that will convince me you are being objective. There you go. That's just the hard truth of it. Okay. Uh, same token, don't ask family friends who just know you as like a lovely person. Um, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, and finally, this this used to happen a lot more. I don't know why it seems to have died off, but people uh, used to get like um, political figures who, you know, you know, were not people they work for or, or who they know at all, but just like, I am Congressman Joe for your district and I am writing on behalf of this person who uh, is in my district. Like, again, give me detail, give me someone who really knows you, 
not not based on that person's role or or fame okay all right next how do you ask them how do you um go about getting these letters i would number one give them as much notice as you possibly can don't say like can i have this tomorrow Number two, I would do it by email. I would, because then you don't worry about getting tongue tied. You don't worry about leaving anything out. Uh, you give them time to consider. You're not like putting them um, on the hot seat, right? So uh, send, send them a nice email and spell it all out. When they say yes, try to make it as easy for them as possible. Uh, say, how, what kind of information do you need from me to make this easy? Uh, my transcript, my personal statement, my resume, anything you need or nothing at all. Make sure they have the links, that they have the addresses, that they have whatever they need about how to submit this. All very clear. And make sure you're very clear about the date. And then, you know, do a nice polite follow-up as you get close to the date. Say like, let me know if there's anything you need from me. Thanks again for doing this. Blah, blah, blah. And then say thank you afterwards so that next time you need a letter of rec from this person, They'll be remembering you fondly. One piece of advice that I have for you that people sometimes don't like is give them a chance to say no. I know you want them to say yes. I, you know, I know we don't, nobody in this world has like 20 people to choose among who could write you great letters of rec. And so when you ask someone, it's usually one of a handful of people who would be appropriate. But if that person wants to say no, trust me when I say you want them to say no. Right. If they if they don't feel that they have the time to do it or that they know you well enough to do it, you want them to turn you down. So that's why I like to do it by email to give them space to to talk themselves out of this corner that they're in. Finally, this comes up a lot. Sometimes letters writers will ask you to write a draft and people feel so uncomfortable with that. They think it is borderline unethical or just feels embarrassing. I get it. It does seem embarrassing. But it is not unethical. It is, th this person is just trying to make it as easy on themselves as possible and make sure that they're doing the, the job for you that you need. Um, they're not going to be signing their name to something without reading it. They will rewrite it if they think that's appropriate. It isn't, it isn't great. Nobody likes doing it, but don't worry that you're doing anything unethical if someone asks you to do that. All right, that is all I have to say about that. And now let's turn to grammar the singular they. In years past, uh, I can remember when I was a child, I can remember learning that he was considered um, the gender neutral way to refer to all humanity. And as a seven-year-old feminist, I took a lot of umbrage at that. And then I feel like um, sometimes people use uh, she now as the gender, gender neutral uh, and of course, there is the ever popular, incredibly awkward he slash she um, and variations of that, his or her, that sort of thing. We have, I think, arrived at a place where saying they, when you don't know the gender uh, of the person you are speaking about, is beyond acceptable. I'm not, I am not talking about uh, someone who chooses they as their pronoun, which is also totally fine. I'm talking though specifically about when you don't want to say he or she when you're just talking in general terms. Do it. It's fine. I know this is not a universal position, but it should be. Okay.
I really don't think though, I, I really feel pretty safe in saying in 2020, um, in the, certainly in the law school application context, you're not going to run across people who, who find that objectionable in any serious way. So I think you should do it because I think all other options are awkward. Okay. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening as always. Would love to hear your feedback and suggestions. Please put any questions you have in the comments below, or if you prefer, send me an email to law.jd.admissions at umich.edu and put vlog in the subject line. Many thanks to my partner in crime, Dustin Johnston. And remember, wherever you go, go blue.